Good morning, everybody. Good morning, folks. Today is October 4th. It's a Tuesday. Welcome to episode 211 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ogier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do with this information to reduce risk for your organization? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, great terminology, great context of how these different things interrelate with each other. And you will be asked in an interview, how do you stay current in the industry? This is a banger of an answer. Before we get into it, though, I want to give a shout out and thanks to this stream sponsors. (coughs) Excuse me, Barricade Cyber Solutions. My man, Eric Taylor, and the whole gang over there at Barricade Cyber Solutions, they're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can... Their homepage has Eric's calendar right on it. You can set up a, you know, like basically just a conversation with Eric and talk about what your situation is and see if it's a fit. Also, mad love to Recon InfoSec. You can see... What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. My man, Jeremy Williams with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Jeremy Williams. Let me throw that on stage. This guy right here. Always bringing high heat. Thanks, Jeremy. So, so much. Appreciate it. Shout out to Recon InfoSec, guys. Recon InfoSec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incidents being investigated by the Recon SOC team. Definitely go check it out. I want to remind you, not only is the music awesome and the people are awesome, But each episode of Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So if you have certs that require continuing education, we've got you covered in spades here. Half a CPE per day, two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat and document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs in our industry. Just say hashtag team live, say what's up, say good morning, Jerry, say good morning, Mark Schrader, Nathan Blair, what's up, Carrie, how you doing? Just say what's up. It's burned into the stream. You can always go back and watch this stream and point to and say, look it, I was right there. Any other questions, auditor? Good. I'll see you next year. If you're live, love it. I see it. I know 10 a.m. is a tough one on Tuesday, Thursday, but it looks like we've got a good crew in here. 80 people piling in. Hashtag team live. Thank you so much. If you're watching on replay, drop a hashtag team replay in chat. Appreciate you catching the stream. It looks like we're averaging about... 200 on average during the day, uh, during the lives, and close to 800 on replay. So uh, this community is fantastic. Love that you guys are all getting um, getting value, not just from like the stories and stuff and the analysis, but also from each other. I see you guys helping each other out and doing all sorts of wonderful things here. Let's get Tupac on deck. We'll do that in a second. All right, so if you want to jump right to the news, if you're on replay, jump straight to the news. You can do that by jumping ahead on the YouTubes or your podcast app of choice. We do the audio. Oh, yeah, little Pac. Yep, okay. But if you're here live with me, you know what we're going to do. I got half a cup of coffee, and I'm going to say good morning to my friends over the next two minutes, and then we'll jump straight into the news. What's up, Dan Reardon? Good to see you, Haircut Fish. Chuck Norton coming in from the mighty state of Texas. Do love it. Hey, Casey Vargas. 
see you on Team Live. James Dupal's loving that GRC course. My man, big fan. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. I'm a GRC evangelist. I love it, I love it, I love it. Angel Perez with the coffee, working my Ben and Jerry's mug. Hey, Zalia, good to see you. What's up, Greg Wilson? Yo, 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 yo to you, man. What's up, Professor? Hey, Garrett Michael Music. They appreciate it. Yeah, today was it. Uh, we've moved into the information espionage segment of the course that I'm teaching at the Citadel, talking about spyware, talking about Darknet Diaries, Black Duck Eggs episode. If you haven't heard that one, that one's a fantastic episode. Um, Low-tech techniques. <laughs> you know, guys, it's easy to convert someone to uh, steal secrets for you. Not, I'm, You know, people have motivations, financial motivations, disgruntled employees, uh, leverage, extortion. You know, we got to cover all of it. It's not always nation state stuff. Sometimes it's big tech secrets. Just Google Rivian battery. See what happened with Tesla and Rivian. Arizona in the house. What's up, Alsa Tibbet? Coming in from the UK, I think. All right. Matt McDaniel with the coffee crew. Darknet Diaries is good. I do not record the class, Jeremy. It's uh, it's Citadel cadets only. Um, but I have been flirting with the idea of uh, making a course similar and, and just releasing it. Because I've been teaching this course for like four years. Like I, I could, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I just know the, the curriculum. Hey, Leah Joms. Love it, love it, love it. Dominican in the house. Leonardo coming in strong. Guys, I teased it yesterday. I wore the Recon InfoSec shirt today to remind me. I've got, at the halfway point, I've got a really cool Recon InfoSec update for you guys. They're launching a new program, and uh, I'm going to be involved with it. I want to show it to you, tease it out a little bit. Uh, we've got a lot going on. Guys, teaser alert, okay? We will be doing raffles all week next week, okay? I've got a video that I did with Eric Taylor dropping on Monday. You may have noticed that videos are dropping all the time now on Simply Cyber. Next Monday, we got a produced video coming out, and there will be a raffle kind of tied to it throughout the week. So you'll not want to miss next week. I will, As always, Team Replay, you will get your love. I will make sure that you have an opportunity to, to participate in the raffles. I see you, Team Replay. We'll take care of you, okay? All right, that's going to do it for this. Stay tuned for the... Uh, oh, hey, what's up, Nigeria in the house? I do. Paul Oluwatobi. Good to see you, man. Carl Ron, smash that like button. Yeah, actually, guys, hit the like button since we're about to kick this off. If you got two seconds, um, I, I really think it is pushing it up into the stream. All right, guys, the coffee's locked and loaded. Tupac's got his chills going. Let's get into the news of the day and have a good time. Sit back, relax. Let's do it. series it's cybersecurity headlines it's tuesday october 4th 2022 la school data published on leak site the los angeles unified school district confirmed that a ransomware organization began publishing exfiltrated information about students online the files appeared on the leak site for the vice society ransomware organization known for targeting educational organizations the attack occurred over Labor Day weekend, with the threat group issuing a ransom demand on September 22nd. The district did not negotiate or pay the ransom in accordance with advice from the FBI. Bleeping Computer reports folder names in the leaked data suggested include social security numbers, passport information, and secret and confidential documents. NBC Los Angeles's law enforcement sources say it includes legal records, business documents, and some confidential psychological assessments of students. What? Hold on. Uh, all right. So a couple interesting things here. 
One, we just saw yesterday or uh, maybe last week, I can't remember, um, a story about how threat act, I think it was yesterday, threat actors are now moving towards not even encrypting the data, just straight up exfil and then deleting. And, and you know, I had speculated that it's because they're not getting paid um, for the ransom anymore, right? And Or there's a downtick in it. We're seeing right here, the FBI, the, the LA County uh, school system hit by Vice Society ransomware a couple weeks ago. They've obviously been working uh, through this, you know, compromise basically, and refuse to pay the ransom by the guidance of the FBI. The FBI will advise you all day, every day not to pay the ransom because you're basically promoting um, the... Uh, you know, further ransomware attacks because the the money will be there. Obviously, there's all sorts of things that we can do with cyber insurance to cover the cost of lost business, um, recovery, all these other things. Vice Society uh, doing what they need to do, like following through on their threat of releasing the data. The data has been released. Um, now, LA, a county school system has to go through the painful process of a post-breach you know, basically project where it's like, okay, here's the 1-800 number. They're going to obviously offer identity theft protection to all those individuals whose uh, sensitive information was released. They did mention, uh, they said sensitive or confidential documentation. So I don't know exactly what that means. It could be internal memos between the superintendent and the financial officer about where they're spending money or about vendor agreements. It could be a million different things, right? I seriously doubt it's like, you know, super secret, you know, salacious details of how they're going to like hoodwink and commit extortion on the students of the LA County. Like, I'm sure it's none of that. It's just internal documents and stuff like that. This sucks. This sucks. But this is one of those things that, you know, you just got hit and you got to work through it. Now, I want to remind people really quickly who might be like, oh my God, like LA, like you're huge. How how you let this happen? Guys, um, a couple of things. One, not all industries are created equal. So financial services, for example, hedge funds, banks, places people keep their money, those businesses spend a ton of money on cybersecurity. Why? Because if they get breached, as we're seeing with all this crypto stuff, um, integrity and confidence in that business, in that system is compromised, right? you like, I don't want to do business with you because you lose my money, right? So they spend a ton of money. Now you, you go down the path and you look at like education or state and local education, like SLED, they don't have any money, right? Like the, the, the money that comes into the county or to the city or to the town or to the state, that's all like taxpayer dollars and in, in, um, uh, public, uh, you know, public grant money and stuff like that. But it's not a lot of money and you've got to spread it between new roads, new bridges, uh, paying DPW workers, uh, community projects, building a garden, all this other crap. And then Oh, by the way, running IT and on top of running IT, actually securing the IT. So by the time the the but by the time the birthday cake in the corporate office gets to cybersecurity, it's like you might have a corner piece that someone's kind of like carved all up, but you're not getting you're not getting the centerpiece with like the extra frosting and like the little rose on it, right? You're getting this, you know, thing on the side that might not even have cake in it. It's just like straight frosting, right? So those people are doing the best they can with the resources they have. So I'm not surprised that they got hit. Um, and basically, they're just having to work through it. This this is a perfect, like if you're new to the industry or whatever, what's happening to the LA uh, County school system and the Vice Society gang and how each step of the process has kind of um, 
not executed, but like how this story has unfolded with all the steps and responses and everything. This is a perfect case study on ransomware and victims in 2022, right? They're not paying the ransom. They've got a communication plan on how to go out. Vice Society is publicly leaking. They've got a public telegram channel or something or a Facebook post or whatever they're doing. And they're notifying out on what they're doing. CISA is involved. This right here is a perfect case study on ransomware and the complexity of the victim and the operations of dealing with a ransomware incident in 2022, no doubt. Exchange zero-day mitigations bypass. Yesterday, we discussed the disclosure of two actively exploited Exchange zero-day vulnerabilities. Microsoft did not release patches yet, but did put out <clears throat> mitigations for on-premise services. Now, the security researcher Jang published a way to bypass these mitigations with little effort. Essentially, Microsoft calls for a URL block through IIS Manager. Researchers found Microsoft's advice too specific and could be easily routed around. The exchange flaws do require authentication of an attacker, so they remain difficult to fully exploit. Okay, so here's the deal. Two things. One, as this is like, guys, I, this is the one I told you that if you're running on-prem exchange, like you should pause the stream and go make that a priority. And in reality, um, with all due respect, You've known about this since last Friday, and you have been working over the weekend to address this thing, right? And if not, if you're running on-prem and you're just hearing about this now, <laughs> you need to join the daily cyber threat briefing more often. Um, like this, this is red hot story, and and this is something that's serious. Microsoft released a mitigation. Um, obviously, this story is reporting that it um, can be bypassed fairly easily. Guys, here's the deal. You should move off Exchange on-prem to Exchange online protection, even just as a like a stopgap. You can run your own proprietary mail servers on-prem if if you're like super concerned about security or whatever. There are options. The the root problem here is that Microsoft Exchange on-prem is a, is a risk, and you shouldn't be running it. Okay, so simple as that. Uh, obviously, you know these band aids they're putting on. Uh, are are getting ripped off by threat actors. Active exploitations happening. If you're running Exchange on-prem, you should do a couple things. One, you should obviously prioritize getting to Exchange Online protection. Two, if you're running and Gossy the dog pointing this out, so this isn't like my original take, but um, if you're running in a hybrid format, so some organizations will have Exchange Online protection, but they'll also be running Exchange on-prem and they'll sync them. Okay, you're still at risk if that's the case. Here's here's the litmus test. If you're running Exchange on-prem in any capacity, you're at risk, period. End of story, okay? Second thing, you should definitely look for indicators of compromise, guys. You don't know if you've gotten exploited or compromised if your exchange is owned um, without validating it, right? Like, I, you know, I don't know exactly. Like, there's obviously processes you can look for or, you know, logs and whatever uh, of, of indicators you know, maybe if the threat actor takes it over and starts doing some stuff, you might see some exfil. I, I don't know, but you need to make sure that A, you're moving towards remediating this issue, and then B, that you haven't already been compromised. And if you have no logging in place, if you don't know whether or not you've been compromised, you've got a bigger problem. And, you know, that's when you actually might want to call somebody like Barricade Cyber or Recon InfoSec. That isn't even a market plug. That's like literally, if you don't know, you need to know because this is serious. Like threat actors, it's it's trivial to use Shodan, which is a you know a search engine that basically searches the whole internet looking for stuff 
to use Shodan and in like 10 seconds find many of these compromised servers, and then it takes another 10 seconds to like exploit them, right? I don't think that there's public exploits out, but if you're an advanced, sophisticated threat actor, you probably have some in-house ones. Again, this is, you know, important. Also worth noting, um, as I mentioned before, I can't emphasize this enough. Gossy the dog. Is it Gossy the dog? I shouldn't be doing this straight URL, but this guy right here, Gossy the dog. This is a must follow Twitter account. If you work in the industry, especially if you are um, like IT and matrix and responsible for doing things like this exchange deal, or if you are SecOps, right? A blue team person, this dude, I, I would love to get this guy on Simply Cyber uh, just to interview him and stuff like this. He is a community service champion and he does all sorts of stuff, but he he released like a street a video last night. I, you know, he, he posts a lot, but he released a video last night talking about like, hey guys, you got to know these things about it. You can see here, like I'm just scrolling here, just, just scrolling. I didn't look at this. Here's 24 IP addresses scanning for proxy, not shell. So he's using gray noise to find these threat actors. So you could use, you could take these IP addresses and block them, right? I don't know if the ones scanning are necessarily the ones that would be attacking you, but you can see there's tons and tons of information in here and a couple memes. This is the video I watched last night of uh, Kevin giving some quick thoughts and things that you can take action on right away. So this guy right here, absolute must follow. Supreme Court will look at the legal protection for apps and services. The Supreme Court will look at two cases. Gonzalez versus Google involves attempts to sue Meta, Google, and Twitter, alleging that YouTube knowingly permitted terrorist content in its recommendation system, violating laws of supporting terrorism. An appeals court found Google was protected under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Meanwhile, Twitter versus Tamna also involves a similar terrorism-related case, but an appeals court did not determine if Section 230 should apply. It's likely the court will take up Section 230 in both rulings. Hmm. Yeah, so let me, let me, uh, let me actually sh share this link. So this is the link to Gossy the Dog. I saw people in chat wanting this. This is the link to this individual right there. Uh, it should go to, it went to the YouTubes. It doesn't look like LinkedIn got it. Uh, sorry, LinkedIn. You can see it in the chat though. Gossy the dog. Um, all right. So this story, Supreme Court ruling, it's kind of interesting. So the challenge here is that like, at what point do the social media platforms become complicit or aiding and abetting? Thanks for the sub, Syed. Aiding and abetting uh, on malicious content, right? So like, let's take it to the extreme. Like the people who host the 4chan servers where there's a lot of like, you know, uh, content that would be considered, you know, very extreme. Like, are, is the platform hosting that somehow responsible in some way and could be sued for that responsibility? And it looks like the Supreme Court uh, is hearing those particular stories. You can see here, uh, Section 230, part of the 1996 Communications Decency Act is, is the specific law that people are looking at in order to sue this. Now, obviously, Google, Facebook, and Twitter are very, very lucrative companies with probably an entire stable of lawyers who are going to be doing everything they can to defend Google, Facebook, and Twitter. So we'll have to see how this goes. Um, I Honestly, I, I kind of missed part of this story because I was doing the the, the Twitter thing. But so... Um, anyways, when it gets to the Supreme Court, obviously we're talking about like precedent setting legislation. So keep an eye on this one. 
Meta to swap mobile Facebook's in-app browser. Meta announced it will change the underpinnings of Facebook for Android's in-app browser. This will still be based on Chromium, but not use the Android system WebView installed on the phone. Meta says it found people updated their Facebook app much more frequently than they did Chrome or Android's WebView component, so depending on those directly often meant that browser security was out of date. It also found that when WebView did update, it would often break parts of the Facebook app, requiring more bug fixes. So it'll bundle a Chromium-based WebView update in each Facebook update, which it says will make updates for browser bugs more timely and make the app overall more stable. Hmm, okay. Um, this one kind of went quick, so I'm not 100% sure, but... Um, okay. <laughs> so, all right. This is kind of funny. It's like almost spin, right? So Facebook, like you're on an Android device, you're in your Facebook app, which I assume, like I don't do Facebook, but you're in your Facebook app and uh, someone's like, hey, check out uh, Jerry's uh, daily cyber threat briefing. And like you click it or look at Jerry's blog post, whatever. You click it and it comes up, Chrome launches and it's like, okay, here's Chrome. Um, Facebook is saying, well, people don't update their Chrome often enough. So we're doing you a service by creating basically like a browser within the Facebook app that will launch and take you to your destination because the Facebook app will be updated. You will be more secure. You're welcome. We're doing you a service. I hate, I hate, I hate that I think this way. Great cash, homie. But dude, here's my thing. So Facebook's saying that like when you go somewhere, you won't switch apps. So you'll still be within the structure and the context of Facebook right? So all the data, everything you're piping into this, this URL, this blog post you go to, how much time you spend on certain blog posts, they control that browser app. So they get all the data, they get all the meta, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, I don't know if Facebook and Google are direct competitors, but <laughs> you're not using Google's product anymore, right? This might be a play for Facebook to start moving into that browser uh, space, but I can't help but think that this is a very convenient situation for Facebook to say, we're doing security for the consumer. We're protecting them from themselves because we can update the Facebook app, but we can't update the Google app. So to protect you from yourself, we're going to do this. And in reality, I think it's much more nefarious. I think it's much more financially motivated. I'd love to assume righteousness, but based on everything I've seen, why would, why, why would it be this time around? You know what I'm saying? So anyways, if you use an Android thing and you use the Facebook app, be mindful that you won't be launching Chrome anymore. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Hunters. Hunters helps your security team overcome data volume and complexity while significantly reducing false positives. Upwork uses Hunters SOC platform to remain threat focused. Because of Hunters, Upwork has been able to stop going through the daily repetitive task of looking at alerts and doing repetitive manual investigations. Learn more at hunters.ai. All right. Yes, hunters.ai. Thank you, CISO Series. Let's just take a minute here. I just want to take a minute and thank everybody. Uh, thank the sponsors, Recon InfoSec, Barricade Cyber. I want to remind you guys of a couple quick things. If you get the email on Monday mornings, then you know about this. But if you haven't heard, every single Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, I, I send an actionable email with three, like, Literally this week, it was a copy and paste email that you could send to your end user community that would help reduce cyber risk. I'm trying to reduce the barrier, reduce the load on you. 
and make make it so you can quickly deliver value to your organization, which makes you look like an all-star, reduces cyber risk, which is ultimately the goal, and you're doing it all before most people accomplish anything on Monday. So if you're interested, go to this yellow URL, drop in your email address. If you don't like the email, unsubscribe. I don't care. Like I don't, I won't be upset. Like, oh, what are you unsubscribing for? Dude, it's a community service. This is something that I'm excited about. If you want to get it, get it. If you want to kick it, if you want to kick butt, this is an option right here, okay? Also want to give a shout out, guys. This is why I got the Recon InfoSec shirt on, y'all. This Thursday, Red Siege has been doing Wednesday offensive security webcasts for a while. Recon InfoSec is launching their Thursday defensive webcast. Guys, Eric Capuano, right? A winning champion, like Shortstack, if you've heard of her Twitter handle. Um, well, um, they're not there anymore. But th like this team is composed of awesome professionals who I respect in the industry, which is part of the reason why they're one of the sponsors because I, I respect them and what, love what they're doing. It's going to be a Thursday stream. I'll drop a link in chat. But it's an unscripted, unrecorded, commercial-free discussion around cybersecurity professionals. And anyone is invited. It is 12.30 Central Time, so 1.30 Eastern. It will be on Zoom. And your boy, Jerry, is going to be the first guest. I get to be the first guest on this new initiative that they are launching. I'm super excited. I was very, very, um, you know, proud, honored, uh, humbled to be asked to be the first guest. I'm super pumped. I hope you can join. You can see they've already got the, the agenda laid out for the upcoming weeks. Um, I actually like this idea. I might steal this idea, honestly, because I have the guests for Simply Cyber Live laid out through December, um, and I just haven't done anything with it. But uh, anyways, you can see some great, great people here. Even, um, wh where's Max? Oh, there he is. Max right here. This is the guy, the brain behind Lima Charlie, EDR. Like some really, really great guests, some really smart people. So guys, check it out. I'll send, I'll, I'll drop this link in chat right now. And I'll start actually probably adding it to the um, the show notes. But here you go. Sorry, LinkedIn people. If you just Google Recon InfoSec Thursday Defensive, it'll come up. But anyways, come hang out at a minimum. By the way, if you come on Thursday, I'll remind you guys on Thursday. If you come on Thursday, hashtag Simply Cyber in chat. Um, and we can just kind of like I'm the guest, but we could kind of rate it. It would be kind of fun. At least I think it would be fun. Right. So. Mercy! All right. Let's let's keep rolling, y'all. And thank you, Simple Minds, for don't for, don't you forget about me. I do love that song. A lot of replay value. SAS Trojanize in supply chain attack. Researchers at CrowdStrike report that the installer for the COM100 live chat app became compromised with the Trojanized variant. The company's official download page distributed the app from at least September 26th through September 29th. This installed a JavaScript backdoor, which fetched a script from a hard-coded URL to provide a remote access shell to endpoints. CrowdStrike believes the attack originated from China-based threat actors previously seen targeting online gambling sites in Asia. CrowdStrike advises that simply upgrading to a clean version doesn't secure systems, as the attackers could have already established persistence in that dwell time. Yep. All He's right. So, like, not a surprise, guys. Instead of compromising the victim organizations, why don't we compromise a, a software as a solution provider? Guys, think about how many SaaS products you use personally then if you are involved in business, think about how many SaaS providers you use to execute your business, right? Like this chat app, guys, 
the whole idea of cloud is that it's it's way more economical. You can buy a fraction of the service. It's cheaper. You can go to market quicker. Everything about cloud is cool. But the problem is, oh, like, hey, you know what? The Simply Cyber website, simplycyber.io, there's no interaction with it. It's just me dumping data on it. But you know what would be cool? A chat client that pops up and says, hey, what's up? I'm a, a chat bot, but what are you looking for? I'm looking for GRC. Oh, here's three links to GRC stuff. Or I'm looking for offensive tooling. Here's three links to that, right? That would be a huge service and it would be really cool to help visitors to the Simply Cyber website. Well, I'm not gonna code my own chat client. That would be absurd. What I'll do is I'll spend five bucks a month to subscribe to some service that gives me access to this chat client and there it goes. Well, I pay the five bucks a month. They're like, oh, just pull down this executable, put it on your server and you're off and running. High fives. Okay, cool. I do that. The problem is the SaaS provider gets compromised, their executable gets trojanized and now everybody, the SaaS provider thinks that they, I mean, they're getting paid and they think they're doing good business I'm a client and I'm trusting that the SaaS provider has a solid, secured, legit solution. I'm not gonna do my own black box application security testing on this chat client, right? So I'm gonna pull it down, I'm gonna install it, and because it's upstream, all of these clients, all these paid clients, right? So Simply Cyber Website's got this chat client now, all of them are infected and the upstream threat actor absolutely wins because basically the SaaS provider unknowingly is distributing my malware for me. And I'm, I'm basically sitting on top of their authority, the trust that they have built with their clients to convince people to willingly install my malware everywhere. Now, again, you'd want to focus on SaaS providers that serve a certain industry. So in this case, they talked about the gambling industry. So maybe there's chat clients that specialize in online, you know, poker online slots where like the knowledge base behind the AI, AI bot is smart around gambling terms. And hey, does a full house beat a straight flush? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that knowledge base might be specific. So, hey, hey why don't we target those guys? Right? I wouldn't be surprised if there's like SaaS providers that support or facilitate crypto type interactions, crypto exchanges, this type of stuff um, that also get compromised. Final thing I'll say about that, this is a legit supply chain attack example. You might wanna bookmark this one. If you need a second one, just to have some compare and contrast, we just saw one the other day where Zendesk was compromised for a video game company, not, uh, um, Rockstar Games? No. It was, it was one of them. If you do Zendesk supply chain attack video game industry, which I will do right now, it wasn't, it was one of the big ones, but it wasn't Rockstar Games. It was the, the companies that do like NBA 2K2 or whatever. Um, it, it's another good, it's, it just happened like last week. It's a perfect case study. 2K Games. Okay. 2K Games. Google that one. You'll have a great little uh, repo if someone calls on you. In Chrome's application mode for phishing. Chromium-based browsers feature an application mode, which lets developers create web apps with native <coughs> desktop looks, hiding the URL bar and displaying a favicon in the taskbar. The security researcher, Mr. Docs, demonstrated this being used to create fake desktop login forms. This involved using a .lnk window shortcut to spoof a Word document. 
Opening this would run a phishing applet, creating a realistic looking Chromium web app to host a phishing window to collect information, all without seemingly tripping any Windows defenses. The researcher noted that since Windows 10 and later versions all offer a Chromium-based web browser, Edge, the method would work across a wide swath of PCs. Yeah, okay. So a couple of things here. One, Mr. Docs, D-O-X, right here, you can see this guy. Um, he regularly puts out really good security research. Like anytime I've heard this guy's name, I assume it's a male because of the Mr. Anytime I've seen this guy involved in the news, it's always really good security research. I'm going to drop this link in chat too. Like if you hear Mr. Docs, you should definitely like perk up because this dude only does good stuff. So what they're saying here basically is that threat actors are unable to push macros um, because macros got disabled, which was a huge attack vector. So now they've pivoted and started uh, using different techniques, LNK files, everything like this. If they can get you to launch like an HTML or H HTA file, um, they might be able to get you. And because now the functionality is to make this on your computer you know, application look like a web browser, it fools the end user into thinking that they're you know, going to the website, but in reality, it's just a local lookalike phishing web page, guys. This is one of those ones where it's like, yes, the the approach changed, but the fundamental attack, the spoofed login page, remains consistent. They're trying to trick you into typing in your creds into a website that is not actually what it looks like in order to steal those creds. Okay, <laughs> basic basic um, one two three. Just be mindful of this. This is. This is a one that you should be mindful of and end users should be too, but I'd have to really chew on this one. Uh, this one's a little bit more technical to the point where I think it's difficult to explain clearly to non-technical end users what the, what the actual, what to look for and what the risk is. So this one, let's chew on it. Chrome extension overhaul gets a timetable. Google announced its plans to roll out a new extension platform for Chrome called Manifest V3, which will supersede V2. Chrome claims this comes with a variety of privacy and security updates, welcome addition to the usual security liabilities Chrome extensions are known for. However, it will no longer support network request modifications, <laughs> meaning traditional ad blockers won't work. With Chrome 112 in January 2023, the company may turn off support for Manifest V2 in Canary, Dev, and Beta channels, then test turning off support in the Stable channel in June with Chrome 115. Enterprise users will still have access to Manifest V2 extensions until January 2024. Once Manifest V3 goes stable, all V2 extensions in the Chrome Web Store will go unlisted before being removed completely in January 2024. A couple things. One, like the block list has a upper threshold limit of 30,000. Uh, I know you guys can't really see that. That's dumb. Like, why the hell do you have an upper threshold on number of items for the block list? You know, threat actors spin up hundreds of thousands of BS domains all the time. Like having a cap on number of block lists is, is stupid. That makes no sense. Second of all, if you're using any of these extensions, they're changing the backend API call from web request to declarative net request, which means all your Chrome extensions are going to have to get updated by developers to, you know, work correctly uh, with this, and then again, this upper limit of, um, yeah, you can see ad blocking list can be in excess of 300,000 entries. As I said, it's dumb. This makes no sense. This is so stupid. Un unless this was a play by Google to basically, hmm. So 
This is this undermines security, but Kimberly. Great cash, homie. Guys, here's the deal. I, I hate being cynical, but check this out. If ad blocking, which many of us run ad blockers, blocks ads, and people are paying Google to run ads on sites, right? That's how Google makes money. Google doesn't make money from running a search engine. Well, I guess they do, but it's more about ads and putting specific search results that pay to be on the first page of Google on the first page of Google. That's Google's revenue model, their business model, right? They like, we're the product and the ads are the, um, are what they're selling. So if you say that there's an upper bound of 30,000 and many ad blocking sites can only are up in the 300,000s, that means that those ad blocking engines aren't going to work, which means more ads will get through, which is obviously going to be a disruptive experience for end users like you and I, but what are we going to do about it? Switch to Brave? Eh, that's an idea. But my point is, we're going to see more ads, which means that Google's revenue is going to go up because less ads will be blocked because the tooling that we're currently using to block ads is going to be nerfed, essentially. So follow the money. Guys, I need it. I should get a sticker. It says follow the money. Like so many Mario coins coming at you, Google, but whatever. By the way, another thing that they mentioned here is that it's going to include... Um, significant delays in load render times, right? So now you're talking about performance and user experience, uh, taking a performance hit, that's going to suck. I don't know. It could be, we could be getting close to adopting Brave, y'all. Brave being a competitive web browser that's privacy focused uh, that attempts to take on Chrome. I'll tell you what we won't be doing, Microsoft Edge. Mexican journalists infected with... Although I know Microsoft Edge is Chromium. I've just, I have PTSD from uh, Internet Explorer, so I'm off Edge. Where the Mexican digital rights organization R3D and Citizen Lab discovered that between 2019 and 2021, several journalists in the country were infected with zero-click spyware originating from NSO Group. Over the years, the Mexican government maintains it does not use spyware. Technical data available to researchers did not reveal which NSO customer launched the spyware campaign, but they said based on the journalist's work, both the government and cartels would be interested in obtaining access. NSO denied the claims of the report. This Okay. So, I guess if you think for a second about the money, God, follow the money, y'all. Why would Mexican journalists be targeted? Well, cartels have a lot of money. Cartels have a lot of power. People in power, I'm not saying that they are corrupt one way or the other, but if you're in power, you like to stay in power. If there are journalists, investigative journalists, looking into uh, human right violations, uh, smuggling, sex trafficking, um, you know, just humanitarian type things, drug mules, all these things, that is bad for business if you're a cartel. If you're in criminal enterprise and people are revealing your who's involved in your crimes and all this other crap, that's not good for your business, right? As sinister as it is, like, let's just look at it, like, you know, objectively, right? So, like, I don't agree with that business model, but, like, if that's your business model, that's a threat to your business. So, if you got access to funds and money, you can buy something like Pegasus, NSO Group Spyware, and install it with no clicks onto those investigative journalists, and now you know who they're talking to, so you know who the leaks are in your cartel, or if you have undercover DEA agents in your cartel, you know who they are, so you can round them up and make them disappear. Um, 
You can find out what stories they're working on. You can, it's, it's knowledge. Guys, literally today at the Citadel, all I was talking about was information espionage or industrial espionage, excuse me. And this is what it's all about. If you are playing poker, part of the thing is you don't know what the other players have. So you're making decisions based on limited information. If one person at the table knows what everybody's cards are, they have more information and they are going to make better decisions. And ultimately they will win more times because of that information. That's all industrial espionage is all about. It's about getting access to information that benefits you in some way, either financially or, you know, culturally or, or, you know, for power grabs or whatever. This is what this is. And this is the reason that having back doors that can be government controlled to individual private citizens devices was flipped out by um, privacy rights activists back during the San Bernardino uh, um, shooter incident and the FBI wanting to backdoor Apple devices. Again, I'm not saying like the San Bernardino thing was terrible. The FBI's reasoning at the time was logical, but this, this is how it could be weaponized and turned into a, uh, you know, like a presumably negative way of using this information. So anyways, uh, it sucks. Dude, tough job being an investigative journalist. You're doing you're doing righteous work, and it sucks that you have um, people who want to shut you down like this. But anyways, NSO Pegasus, NSO Group's Pegasus software, it, you're a fool if you think only law enforcement is using it for righteous means, okay? NSO Group is a for-profit organization. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've moved on from, from this in order to kind of like distance themselves. But uh, again, this story was from 2019 to 2021. It's just surfacing now. I believe NSO Group has moved on, but... Anyways, so that's going to do it, I think. On the CISO Series podcast, yep. we'll be breaking down how to be... All right, so that's going to do it for the stream. Guys, we've been nailing it with our 45-minute time frame. We're at 43 minutes past the hour. Let me just tell you guys a couple things because I have some programming notes. This is what looks like when you go to simplycyber.io slash streams. You can see the URL there at the top left uh, uh, on this on the display here, simplycyber.io slash streams. I just wanna share this with you guys really quickly. I have some personal matters that are uh, going to conflict with the normal operating schedule. So tomorrow, uh, this is today, October 4th. Tomorrow is 9 a.m. So normally Wednesdays and Fridays are at 8 a.m. They will be at 9 a.m. tomorrow, so be mindful of that. Tomorrow is 9 a.m. Eastern, so my West Coast people, you get an extra hour of sleep. Much love. I hope you can join us for Team Live. 9 a.m. tomorrow and Friday, okay? You can see uh, this is Thursday. Here's the Friday one. Also, tomorrow at 11.30 a.m., I'm doing a Threat Gen one. Normally, it's competitive. We are actually uh, going to be showcasing how to do tabletop exercises. This, this red-blue platform is actually pretty flexible, um, and if you're interested in doing tabletop exercises to test out what would happen if you got ransomware and slapped in the face um, at your business, we're going to show you exactly how you can do that uh, with this tool and not need a senior expert uh, with you on st like running the scenario. Like the, the, the platform runs the scenario. It's pretty cool. Uh, and then on Thursday, normal 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Simply Cyber Live. We're going to have James McQuiggan. This guy is a Simply Cyber community member. Some of you have seen him. He's got dad jokes for days. Dad jokes for days. All right. Love myself some James McQuiggan. And then next Monday, just so you guys know, I'll be playing 
World of Haiku live on stream if you're enjoying the video game Let's Plays. I've been playing Red Blue. I've been playing World of Haiku. I actually am kind of flirting. I don't have the bandwidth for this, but I've been kind of flirting of launching a second YouTube channel just for cybersecurity video game play because I think it's so cool. Um, so anyways, that's kind of upcoming program changes with the, the time differences for the 9 a.m. starts and a couple other things like that. So hopefully you guys got value out of it. We're right here at 10.45, so I'll give it just one more minute to say what's up to everybody. Um, Jag HK, Team Live today. I love, love, love the strength here. Look at this. Boom. Team Live. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Ender Lionheart, good to see you. Jay Smith, good to see you. Carrie, always a pleasure. Hey, Lego Security. I'll, I look forward to seeing you there, my friend. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be killing it. We'll be killing it. All right. Jose Sandoval, good to see you. Shuttle Crab. Dr. Gerald Ozier confirms corruption. Yes, this is fine. All right. Hey, Casey Gaska, base case. Love it. Love it, love it. Love love what NCC Group's doing. Uh, much love and support to base case for everything he does. All right, guys, that's going to capture it for today. I want to thank everybody for your time. Go out, do great things. See you tomorrow at... 9 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Eastern. Be good, everybody.